0: Celebrating Horton's Reunion Weekend where past alumni have gathered to reconnect and learn. This is a special presentation of Career Talk on Business Radio Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dr. Don Graham.
1: Welcome back to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. Your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we are back on our special Wharton reunion radio. So if it's 10 a.m. Eastern time and 7 a.m. Pacific time, very early. We are live taking your calls, 844-Warton, 844-942-7866, and we have Dream Team in Studio. Michelle and Dion. Um. 844 Wharton, 844-942-7866. So we are here with Kelly Breslin Wright, who is in studio all the way from her home in Seattle. Good morning, guys. Yes. Yeah, so, um, Kelly is retired from Tableau Software as an executive VP of sales after a 12 year run where she helped them grow to a multi-billion dollar public company as a key member of the executive team. She now does board work, advising and speaking and is an executive advisor to Dropbox. So you're, you're involved in so many things. You have a past bain mckinsey bank of america and of course you earned your mba from the wharton school and you're back celebrating your 20-year anniversary congrats Uh, thank you i am it's very fun that's exciting and you are also on the committee the reunion committee so you're very involved
0: i am we're trying to get a lot of people here we actually have the record for most attendees ever for the 20th well
1: that doesn't surprise me because you're at the helm so congratulations on that
0: so um how is it to be back on campus it's so great to be here. It's very nostalgic, and it's fun being able to reconnect with all of my classmates. Mm-hmm.
1: So so how did you
0: end up pursuing a career in sales? Oh, sales. I, I've pretty much always been a salesperson. Back to my childhood, I was the one selling all of the cookies and uh, doing all, all of the brownies and the cookie doughs, and... And I just, I loved selling. And in college, when I was an undergrad, I actually worked for a company called the Southwestern Company, and I ran my own business for four summers in college selling educational books door-to-door. Wow. So that's, that's hardcore, like, ground-root sales. That is by far the hardest job I've ever had. Talking to people... All day long, 14 hours a day, door-to-door, and dealing with people slamming the doors in your face all the time. But people aren't always excited to see you when you're door-to-door.
1: Okay, so I have to ask you about sales, because um, I'm an introvert, and that just sounds awful to me. God-awful, knocking on people's doors. I had to do it as a Girl Scout, if I recall, and it was the worst, trying to to sell those cookies or things like that. And So, you must be an extrovert by nature,
0: Well, I definitely am an extrovert.
1: I don't think you have
0: to be an extrovert to be in sales. So So, so tell us what qualities you feel like make a great salesperson. Well, salespeople have to care about the other person's story. So I think a lot of sales is about communication. It's about understanding what motivates the other person. (laughs) And the reason I love sales so much is because every person has a unique story And it's fantastic to be able to talk to so many different people, be able to connect with them, understand their story. And then try to help them solve whatever their issue or problem is. And so you can be an extrovert or introvert and go around about it in different kinds of ways, mm-hmm. as long as you have that communication and connection ability. I love that because we talk
1: about networking a lot on the channel. And in some ways, that's very much sales because you're building the relationship and your definition of sales. So I want to think about people who are maybe one of the things I think is awesome about sales that you don't get in a lot of other careers is the ability to kind of write your own compensation in certain ways, the better you do, the more you get compensated. And so I think it's a very lucrative uh, profession, but I also think people who are risk averse may avoid it for that reason. So um, as people are thinking about going to sales, you've probably hired a number of people. What do you look for when you
0: hire people into this role? Well, salespeople, I think one, they have to be curious. You have to be naturally curious Mm -hmm. to want to understand what the other person's motivation is. So curiosity is really big. Uh, Two, communication skills are really important. I think three, hard work, because sales is hard. And Whether you have a weekly quota, daily quota, quarterly quota, annual, whatever it may be, you're always resetting down to zero, and then you control where your destiny is. It's different in that when you're in sales, you have to... Pay attention to the product or service you're selling, of course, so that's going to help you. But it's really all how much you can do. So you have to be a self-starter and independently motivated. Do you have to love the product or service? In my opinion, you absolutely have to. And I and I think that that's important career advice, whether you're in sales or whatever you're doing, is you want to wake up every day to go to work and... Feel motivated and inspired by what you're doing and feel like you have a sense of purpose in whatever you're doing with your job and critically important in sales because you are trying to convince someone to part with their hard earned cash to buy what you're selling. If you aren't convinced in it, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to convey the value of what you're selling to someone else. So I think you absolutely not only have to believe in the product, Mm -hmm. you have to be really passionate about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And so um, I love that you put that kind of broader because I think that's very true, that you're going to essentially be more successful in what you're doing if you love the job. So we have a lot of people graduating right now or maybe even thinking about going into a, a different career. And, you know, how do you know you love it? How how do you
0: know? Hmm. Love is a difficult word to use. I I think sometimes when people say love, they're thinking, I don't know, they're going to have little light bulbs and stars going and bursting everywhere. And that probably is a bit of a different way to look at it. It's like saying, well, are you always happy? Sometimes you can be happy and satisfied, but that doesn't mean you're joyous at every moment of the day. I I would say when looking for a career, at least for me, I always looked at three different things when I was thinking about Mm -hmm. career options. So the first was... I had to be passionate about what I was doing. So what I just talked about, you have to believe in the product. You have to believe in the purpose of what you're doing. Be inspired to wake up every day and go do that. Feel like you're making a difference so it can be motivating. Two, you have to really appreciate and respect the people that you're working with. So it's all about people to me. Uh, When we are born, we are... Wake up to a family, and that family is a family that you just are born into. When you have a job, you're choosing your family. You're choosing the family that you are working with and spending most of your waking hours with. So are these people that you respect, that you trust? And that's critically important uh, to pay attention to people. So first is, are you passionate to the people? And three, I think you always have to be thinking about, can you learn and grow? It's all about personal growth. Because some people will take a job because they just know they can nail it. And so then you can have a job. But if you really want to progress and have a career, you need to be able to put yourself in a situation where you can thrive but you can also be continuing to learn and grow and challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, if
1: you're just tuning in, you're listening to a very special episode of Career Talk for Wharton's Reunion Radio. And if it's 10 a.m. Eastern time, we are live taking our calls at 844 wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 844-942-7866. And we are here with Kelly Breslin-Wright, who is celebrating her 20-year anniversary as a Wharton MBA grad and is here in studio all the way from Seattle um, and has an incredible background in in tech and sales, and um, as a VP, as a former VP, um, what advice do you have for women who are kind of climbing the corporate ladder? Because we hear a lot about you know the the imbalances of you know women at the top, and and so tell us a little bit about how your journey was, and what advice you have for people who are looking
0: to take that journey
1: or who are on it right now.
0: Well, it was interesting because I was a woman in technology in sales. So there's very few women in technology. There were few women in sales, and there were virtually no other female executives in technology sales. And so it's hard to look around and see other people that are just like you who are being successful. So the way I looked at it was, one, come to work every day and do your best. So I knew I might not be able to go out there and see that there are a bunch of other women out there who are doing the same thing. But I knew I could come to work every day, put in my 110 percent, and nobody was ever going to challenge my work ethic. I think the other thing is you can only control what you can control. So in that environment, sometimes there are weird things that happen, being a female in tech. And it's not that I was always paying attention. I actually most of the time just focused on going out there and doing my best. But you can't control how someone else is going to react. You can't control what they're going to do. That goes back to the time when I was selling books door to door. You couldn't control when someone was slamming the door in my face. Uh, But I could control my own reaction and my own behavior. So I'm hearing resilience is something
1: that you need. Um and maybe that's not whether, you know, related to being female, but I mean, I just think resilience in being able to take risks and learn from them and move forward and, and so that's a big thing. But I I'm, I'm I'm also hearing that uh you you sound very confident and you're like I just went out and did my best. And so I think there's something to be taken away from that in that we kind of screw ourselves up a lot by worrying about comparing ourselves to others, or what other people are thinking, or did I do that right, or focusing on something from three years ago that you can't go back and change. And I like the advice of, you know, I just want to focus on doing my best. Get out of bed today and do my best today, and then tomorrow's a new day. Because I think that's something that sounds very uncluttered to me, <laughs> whereas most of us clutter our mind with all these things that we can't change or do anything about. So am I, am I interpreting that
0: correctly? Yeah, Don, I think that's an interesting point, because especially earlier in my career i was always concerned about people liking me and getting that that justification or that acknowledgement that things were all right and i think as time went on with my career i realized that that's really not the right way to go about your career like i don't have to be the most popular person it's not a popularity contest everyone didn't have to like me what i needed to focus on was doing my best treating people with fairness and respect making sure everyone always knew that I was doing the best informed job to make the right decisions. And then that garners you a lot of respect and people will end up following you if they know you're focused on doing the right thing and that you're giving your 100% rather than always trying to have everyone like you. It's just in the career, that's just not gonna happen. Some people are gonna like you, some people are not. So a better goal is having people respect you. That's, that's what i had. I think it's good career and life advice i think you'll be a much happier person and sleep
1: much better if you can just let go um somebody explained to me a, a teacher explained it to me once like chemistry charges like there's certain elements that you you mix with and turn into great things and there's others that you just explode and that's just the way life is and when you learn that somehow it's so much simpler hey 844 wharton 844-942-7866 you're listening to career talk our special on Wharton Reunion Radio, and we are here with Kelly Breslin-Wright, and we are talking all about leadership and um, women at the VP level and sales and technology. Um, So did you have a sponsor? We talk a lot about, you know, kind of getting ahead in an organization, and and these days you're hearing a lot about having a sponsor or mentor, somebody to kind of help you uh, climb the ladder. Was that your experience, Kelly?
0: You know, people ask me this question all the time. There's all this thought of, People have to have a mentor, and oftentimes I'll have people that I've no, I have no idea who they are, and they'll send me an email or ping me on LinkedIn and say, "Hey Kelly, will you be my mentor?" And so people are really nervous about it, and I'd say first, everyone just needs to relax, like calm down about the mentorship. For from my and mentors are always great. The thing is for me. There were not tons of people I could go look at that were on the path to do what I wanted to do. So I took a different approach. I thought, well, I need to have mentorship, but rather than having only one sponsor that you follow for 20 years in your career, which is really hard to find, figure out what it is that you need at that moment. So at different points in my career, I might have needed career advice on a specific issue or maybe I need benchmarking to how to do my job better. And I would ask everyone I know who is the absolute best at this one specific thing. And then I would proactively go talk to those people. And so I ended up kind of collecting a whole bunch of different mentors at different points. And I think that leads to the importance of networking, too, because then you build up a whole collection of potential network and mentors. And then if there's someone that you actually really connect with, then you can continue to go back and have more of a mentorship and sponsor so it is important to have mentors and sponsors. It just doesn't necessarily t- need to be only one person who you go to th- for your whole career. There's different ways to handle the mentorship approach.
1: Yeah, there's two points I want to pull out of that. One is you've already started making, which is the network. I think the the bigger your network and the more relationships you can build throughout life, you're going to have those advisors or those people in your life you can tap into when, when you need them because it's it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Um you know, and that, that includes inside a company too. I think some people get into a company and they're very siloed in their department. And what I always encourage them to do is, is reach outside your department, get to know people in, in HR and finance and accounting and the mailroom and all of these different places because your life will be infinitely easier if you have contacts in these places who you can ask advice or share information. So I love that part of it. The other part is something very important because a lot of people ask, how do I get a mentor? How do I ask somebody to be my mentor? And I, as you pointed out, I don't think it works that way. You really can't. It, it's, it's it's something that sort of develops over time, over a relationship. So can you help people understand if they're looking to maybe they're in a point in their life where they realize this is going to be helpful. How do they even start like looking for building those types of relationships with maybe individuals who are a little bit more career experience than them?
0: Well, hmm. there's really two ways I think that you can go about it. One is there might be people that you've interacted with already Where you respect them, you think they have really good experience and ideas, and you can reach out to them either by email or phone call or just if they're in your company, you can drop by their office and just say, hey, would you mind if I have 15 15 minutes to be able to bounce some ideas off of you? So asking people for hour or can I meet with you an hour every week or every month is a bit too much to ask of someone when they don't know what you need. You just need a little bit of time. And then if you connect and things go well, you can ask for some additional time. So that's way number one. Now, with that way, number one, it's important to go to the meeting with a specific agenda. Go with your questions. Don't just show up and say, What's your career advice? Because what does that mean? What are they going to do in 15 minutes? So take control of your own career. Make a specific determination of what you want help with and go and say, hey, I'm here for the 15 minutes because I have these three questions that I want your advice on and be very specific. Say thank you. You can leave. And if you're organized that way, they'll be more inclined to be able to help you next time. And I, I think that's helpful regardless of what way. So first is if it's inside the company. Outside the company, you if you want to reach out to someone you don't know, make sure you have a connection. That all comes back again to networking. So when you say connection, Kelly, do you mean that you know somebody in common or what yeah, do you mean by I, think, that? I think it has to be – well, I'll give you an example just in terms of telling it in a story. If someone were just to blindly email me and say, you don't know me, will you meet me at Starbucks to give me some mentorship advice? And I have no idea who that person is then I'm not going to pay any attention. But if I get an email from someone within my network, whether it is a family member, whether it's a friend, or whether it's a former coworker or professional network, and they say, "Hey, this person's really awesome, and I think that they could leverage 15 minutes of your time. Would you mind meeting them?" then I will I will take that meeting almost every time. And that, and, and that goes back, again, so many things go back to networking, which mm-hmm. is what so much of this whole series is about. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so I love that you say that because
1: uh, I agree that if you can get an endorsement, you're kind of like you in the door if you can't get an endorsement would it be okay if somebody I mean you're you're an executive Kelly so you are busy you're traveling you're you're doing about 15 jobs outside of that and board of directors and all these things Um, so for somebody to get your attention I imagine that the best way to do that is for somebody you know to reach out but what if somebody wanted to get your attention and they just didn't have a contact in your network are there other things that might work for you well
0: this comes back I'm gonna pivot first before Mm -hmm. I answer that and people, you, we had talked a bit about how I was in sales. And sometimes people feel like, well, I don't want a career in sales. That is just not what I want to do. So if you look at it a different way, everyone is in sales. So if, if someone thinks they're not in sales, they're just wrong. So they're in sales because you have to be able to communicate and connect with others. Two- You have to be able to sell yourself. You're selling your ideas and yourself all the time. So networking is really about having those sales and connection skills. So what makes a good salesperson is the same way of how you make this connection. If someone wanted to reach out to me, reaching out and saying, hey, Kelly, I'd love to go have a meeting. That one's not going to work that well. But if they've done a little bit of background and research and they comment on something I've written or something that I've done and they have some specific question that they ask, again, going back to having an agenda, then I'd be much more inclined to answer it. Just last week, someone from Wharton actually had, had emailed me and said, I'm a classmate at Wharton. I have some questions. Here are the three things that I want to know. I don't know if you have time to meet or have a call. And I responded that I didn't have time to meet, but I answered all the questions, and we went back and forth. So now he's opened that communication line.
1: Yeah. So I think that there's some really important things that I just want to pull out of that, which are um, I I think you have to do your research, you have to do your homework. I mean, you've been in a lot of media appearances, you appear on the news, you, you appear in articles, podcasts, things like that. So I think I think one people need to do their research and and. Look at the things you've done, because maybe some of the answers they want are in those types of of communications you already have posted out there. And then, and then, two something else you mentioned is is nobody's going to meet with you for coffee if they don't know you. It's just too time or don't intensive. Know
0: something about
1: you, yeah. you know or unless they're hiring and they're looking you're perfect for the job but I mean people who don't know you coffee is a big commitment coffee to me is like an hour of time so always ask for a 15 to 20 minute phone call because most people can spare that and I think the third thing you said which is so important is have an agenda a lot of people have been coached around networking that okay don't ask for a job and don't and and that's true but that doesn't mean don't ask for something specific and don't give the person um, you know specific questions because I'm just curious what What happens if somebody shows up to you and says, um, thank you for meeting with me, Kelly. What should I do with my career? I mean, what is your reaction to that?
0: Well, the first question would be, what did you want to ask? What do you want to do? Right. And I, I think if I flip that, when people are thinking about career progression and career advice, it's important to recognize that you as an individual, you own your career. Yes. Take charge of your own career. Yes. Don't give it to somebody else to figure out because why
1: Why would you, Kelly, even though you're very successful in your life, why would you know what my life should be like?
0: Yeah. And people, I think people do this all the time. They'll they like do. will come and ask for a question and ask for advice. And it's fine to ask for advice, but I don't know what your career objectives are. I don't know what your career goals are unless you tell me. Uh, but the thing is, is, sometimes people will have a job. They'll nail that job. They'll do a great job great everyday results, and then they're just sitting there waiting for someone to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you have a promotion. Here's this other opportunity. Now, that might happen some of the time, but that's really just not the way it works. Mm -hmm. How it works is take control of your own career. Let it be known what it is that you want to do. Go ask for help and raise your hand. The more proactive you can be in taking ownership of your own career, the more progression that you're going to get. And back to one of the questions you asked at the beginning, what do I look for when people want those kind of promotions? It it's about the people who they're the business builders, mm-hmm. they're the ones raising their hand. Mm-hmm. So um, you've been out of Wharton
1: 20 years, and, you know, in the past two decades, what I'm wondering is, you know, obviously the skills and what's most important in the workplace shifts, and, and probably even more dramatically in the last few years because of technology. So, you know, as we're kind of um, winding down, I'm wondering, as a leader, as a VP, an executive, what are those must-have skills that people need to come to the workplace with?
0: They need to have hard work.
1: They need to have communication skills. Define that for me because that that's a very vast thing. So when communication. you communication because that has changed a lot with mm. social media. So I mean when you say communications, what are what are you looking for as a VP when you when you're looking at maybe um, hiring people or you know teaming up with people?
0: I, and there's a whole bunch of ways that you can think about communication. I, are, are you a good writer? Are you? Are you can you do a speech the, in a good, productive way? And that's all important, but that's not really what I'm meaning. With communication, is can you actually build com- connections with other human beings? Can you be empathetic? Can you be a good listener? Can you have that give and take? Mm -hmm. Can you be operating with other people with the level of humility? That might be a little different than communication, uh, but that's so important to be able to communicate with humility and empathy so you can really focus on having a two-way communication where you can hear and process what the other person is saying. It's not just about one way speaking at and communicating at. It's being able to have productive dialogue.
1: So you're talking about relating, essentially building relationships.
0: Yes. So, okay. So hard work, um, building relationship skills, any, any others? I think having some flexibility as what we talked about before, adaptability and flexibility, you're going to be thrown things all the time uh, within a career environment or within a life environment. And you're not always going to be able to predict where it's going So you want to go on a path, but you need to be flexible to take things as they come. I think the other part is I always look for someone that's a risk taker. Mm -hmm. So if someone's always playing it safe, they might be good for some specific roles, but the people who are really going to thrive, they're the ones that want to continuously learn, continuously challenge themselves to branch outside of their comfort zone. So you want to be able to build on where your strengths are and what you're good at. But you need to be able to have that continuous growth growth and learning and push yourself outside your boundaries that requires some level of risk taking. Because those that take risks get a bigger reward Mm-hmm. You have to just be willing to lean into those risks.
1: Yeah, the bigger the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. I think that's a great place to end, Kelly. So um, Kelly Breslin-Wright, people can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Congratulations on your 20-year anniversary from the Wharton MBA program. And, of course, thank you to Dion and Michelle for manning the studio and making us sound so great on today's Career Talk special for Wharton Reunion Radio. You've been listening to SiriusXM. Channel 111 and we'll be right back.